Hi, everyone. I'm Steve Shepard, host of the Natural Curiosity Project podcast. And while I live in Vermont in the northeastern United States, I'm also a member of the Wildlife Sound Recording Society based in the UK. One of the contributions I make to the organization is a series of podcast interviews with interesting people around the world who are involved in recording natural sounds. Some of them are scientists who capture the sounds of the wild for research purposes. Some of them do it for the pure enjoyment of listening to the soundscape of an area. Some do it to create sound libraries that then sell to movie makers, game designers, and others who have a need for a particular sound. In this episode, I interview Phil Brown, an avid birder, photographer, and sound recordist located down near Boston, Massachusetts. I'll let him tell you a bit about himself. I work in the real estate management field, which doesn't afford me very many opportunities for nature recording. But my free time, um, I'm very much into nature recording, mainly birds, um, natural soundscapes, which are a bit hard to come by uh, with so many people here on the coast in Massachusetts, so many cars. Uh, I've got an airport 30 miles south of me. It makes it a little tough. But traveling has fixed that a bit, and heading north towards you has fixed that a bit, too, at different times. Like so many people, Phil got into sound recording through another interest, birding. Uh, my dad nudged an interest of, of birds into me in my teens and 20s, um, and I really dove in in my 30s decided to learn all the local bird sounds to make it easier to see what's going on around me. And that really kicked off the change in how I listened to what was going on. I could filter out the traffic noise, I could filter out the planes, and just hear the birds. And that, once I realized I was able to do that, uh, it gave me a different look into the natural world. And from there, I got into photography for a while, sold some gear, bought some audio gear, and kicked it off. And I've done some traveling and a bunch of sound recording around the country. So it's been a ton of fun. I haven't been at it very long, but it's extremely rewarding, and I find it very, very much uh, fulfilling. What I come back to everybody about birding is it's never-ending. There's always more to learn in birding. And I find sound recording is just an extension of that. One of Phil's favorite places to record is the Corkscrew Swamp National Wildlife Refuge near Naples, Florida. I've recorded there myself, and it's a magical place, although I had to step over more than my share of alligators asleep on the path to get where I wanted to go. I had wanted to get to Corkscrew Swamp Wildlife Sanctuary just outside of Naples, Florida, for a number of years to record, having visited there probably ten times prior on birding trips through different trips down to Florida to visit um, relatives or go down to visit my mother when she'd stay over the winter. So this past Christmas, or the Christmas of 2017, not uh, 18, I took a week, the week before Christmas, and headed down to Florida um, with the intentions of getting to Corkscrew five days out of six. First thing in the morning, they open at 7. I was on the boardwalk at 7 a.m., uh, gear in hand, <laughs> with a camera off the hip and headphones on my head and a monopod with a uh, a stereo mic on it with a big baby ball gag on it. I had plenty of people casting their eyes my way wondering, who's this nut? Or, I should know you, was said to me on two or three occasions. I think I should know you. What's your name? Which I found hysterical. Anyways, if you haven't heard of Corkscrew Swamp Wildlife Sanctuary, it has a two and a half mile long boardwalk that goes through a swamp, upland and swamp. And 
it's just full of birds and bird sound. It's a wonderful place to visit. You can sit in the middle of the swamp with anhangas all around you, red-shouldered hawks calling, pileated woodpeckers. And I've always found the sanctuary to be a little piece of heaven. And this visit was no exception. It was extremely birdy, plenty of birds everywhere. Not as much as you'd catch in the summertime if you went, but a great respite from the cold here and a wonderful place to go spend six days walking around. So, like many of us, Phil often travels to visit recording sites. I asked him about his equipment list. I have a Sony PCM-D100, and I bought a um, an Audio-Technica, I think it was a 4022 stereo mic that I used with it quite a bit, and I took that with me out west on a bunch of different trips and would have it... I always had a photography vest on, so you could have the Sony in your top pocket and a mic hanging off the side pocket without a problem, and just pick up the Sony and hit record anytime you wanted to. It was a great setup while you're out um, doing photography. And I'd stick it out the back door, the back window of the hotel I was staying in, because we've stayed in some really re- remote places through the years. Um, Escalante in Utah, uh, Hurricane, uh, Chinle in Arizona. And recording overnight, to me, is just a ton of fun. Um, you get the owls, you get the unexpected birds calling in the middle of the night, the critters, the foxes. <laughs> so I've done that a number of times, and I've, I've been doing that at home, for the past year and a half with a uh, Sound Devices Mix Pre 6 and an Audio-Technica 4025 on the deck with the cable run back and through the window. And I've been basically taking census of what's around for owls. I initially thought there was maybe one every two weeks or so, and I find that they call almost every night. And there's three or four different species out there calling. So it's been a really fun year and a half of checking that out when it's not raining or really windy or in the middle of a snowstorm. And I don't know when that's going to end. I think I'm just going to keep going with that. What I like about Phil's approach is that he proves to us that while a trek into the remotest places will always yield the best sounds with less of a chance of human-caused interference, the truth is that good recordings can be had from the comfort of one's own garden, as my friend Roger Bouton of the Wildlife Sound Recording Society recently proved to me with a video he took of bats emerging from the eaves of his home. It was magic. So I asked Phil why it's important to create and study the recordings he enjoys capturing. With uh, climate change and the warming conditions moving further north, we've pushed species further north, and we've pushed species completely out of here. Um, So recordings today, you won't be able to get the same thing 10 years from now. Recordings from 10 years ago, We'll have different species on it than, than we'll have 10 years from now. Just from being from birding for the past 30 years and the numbers of birds that have come to New England that weren't here 30 years ago, it's it falls in the same category. It's a changing spectrum going forward. And to have that um, in a recording and to be able to go back to it and share it, I think is wonderful. He's right. And in fact, one of our goals is to attract more people into the recording fold. Phil, like so many of us, is relatively new at this, having added sound recording to his passion for photography. So I asked him for some thoughts about how to get started. There's plenty of less expensive gear, handheld, mics attached, that you can start out with. You're not going to get what you're looking for. It's it's that learning curve of buying the point and shoot and realizing I needed something a little better and working your way up the food chain. Um, I had a couple of small handheld recorders 
Um, didn't like what I was getting. Spent the money on the Sony, which was at the time, I think, was $800. Uh, bought a mic for a couple hundred, and I was thrilled for a long time and bought some wind protection for it. So for $1,000, I was good to go for a long time. Um, decided to upgrade that. Decided to, I wanted to do a couple different things. One was recording overnight. Two was to get some XLR mics, so I needed to upgrade my recorder. And Sound Devices came out with the Mix Pre Series, which I think for anybody who's remotely interested in um, being serious about this, a Mix Pre 3 around at around $600 and a mic, take your pick, um, is the way to go. It's, again, not cheap, but it's the cheapest way into it for some really, really, really good gear with wonderful preamps, and you just can't go wrong. I know that when I started doing photography, I had a devil of a time coming up with places to go shoot. As I became more experienced, the list of locations I wanted to explore grew beyond my ability to visit in a single lifetime. The same is true of sound recording. So I asked Phil how he goes about finding places to record. Definitely depends on what you're interested in recording and what sounds you like. For me, it's nature sounds, um, be it... um, a dawn recording or birds in the morning uh, at a sanctuary somewhere. I tend to go to sanctuaries. I tend to go to sanctuaries that are as far away from traffic as possible. Um, I tend to go on Sundays as well when there's less traffic and fewer planes. And um, But that's my gig. I hit the sanctuaries all around me. And I'm lucky there's plenty of sanctuaries right around here. Eastern Mass is blessed with all kinds of property that's been saved and has lots of birds on it and different ponds and it's you know trial and error as well as you go so as we got close to the end of the interview i asked phil if there are any specific projects he's working on at the moment another project i've been involved in since 2007 with the assistance from a local bird club the essex county ornithological club uh, here in essex county and there's a sister club in England as well that's been in touch with us. I can't come up with a name right at the moment off the top of my head. But it's a nest box program with hopes of increasing the nesting population of American kestrels in eastern Massachusetts. We placed a dozen or so nest boxes around the county and have success at have had success at two of these boxes in recent years. With the first success in 2013 after a six-year wait, but now a total of 34 young kestrels have fledged um, in two of the boxes. We're hoping more of the boxes are occupied as the years go by and more birds return. You get about a 50% return rate on average for young kestrels that do manage to fledge. And the project is really a labor of love that allows me the opportunity to photograph the young kestrels up close when you're checking the box and when you're banding them and record a bit of audio every now and then. By the way, the sister club in the UK that Phil referred to is the Essex Birdwatching Society. So as we ended the interview, I asked Phil if he had any last words for our listeners. Get out and record. It's the best way to learn. It's tons of fun. I I can't stress that enough. Find a way to get out and record. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Make it a fun event. I'm Steve Shepard, host of the Natural Curiosity Project podcast. For the Wildlife Sound Recording Society, thank you for listening. (laughs) 